This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is at Ken G three eleven on Twitter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my name is Dane, and with me, as always, is the at Tim G three eleven Tim. You know what? I whenever I do the intro for an episode, I don't think I mention the at. I just say Tim G three eleven. I should probably start saying the at now to make it officially that it's the Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah. Are you also at Tim G three eleven on Instagram? Yeah. No. Let's see. And right. I haven't been on Instagram in like a year. Yeah. <laughs> two years, maybe. I don't post there as often as I normally tweet. So every few months you'll see a picture of something, either some cool new item I got or a cat picture. <laughs> so I'm usually about it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's. I, I, I guess it's for um, I, I I guess I'm too old for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> These are too old. It could also be too young because I think a lot of at least some older family members I have use it a lot, just kind of as a way to keep in touch and see touch, photographs yeah. of people they can't see too often. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I guess that's a good idea. I I, I guess um, Facebook isn't cutting it for for older people. Some yeah, so some. <laughs> Especially ones who just want the photos and not posts about daily updates or <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But... I just want to see your photos. I don't want to hear about <laughs> your problems or whatever. <laughs> um, but you know, we have a lot of lot to talk about this episode. We have a lot to talk oh, about. So yes. let's let's um let's let's talk about another long movie, uh, <laughs> not as long as. <laughs> As the other one, but um, well, just twelve-minute shorts. Actually, as I'm looking at the time for it right now, <laughs> yeah. Um, let, let's do our, our Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring commentary. So grab your uh, DVD, grab your VHS, grab your laser disc, your beta tape, grab your uh, projector, grab your um, DVHS, and uh, grab your Blockbuster physical subscription card. Uh, and grab your uh, Netflix physical physical subscription, and grab your um, uh, pr- probably the way it was meant to be seen. Uh, uh, this one, and also the Hobbit movies with the high frame rate stuff. <laughs> uh, 
you have your VHS to DVD converted copy on your old uh, Dell computer running uh, Windows XP. <laughs> so uh, you know, real quickly, Dave, I sent you a text about this yeah. week, last week. I don't know if the Facebook algorithm or ads thing listens to our podcast, but after we recorded our last episode, I got sub- several advertisements for. VHS to DVD converted machines, like all in one. (laughs) (laughs) So somehow it knows what we're talking about on (laughs) here. I didn't know you could have a machine like that or or whatever. They're out there. (laughs) Yeah. So we may say that as a joke, but if you really want to watch your movies that way, they can be done. (laughs) Also, um, on Netflix, they have uh, this new documentary of uh, the Black. Uh, the last uh, blockbuster. Yeah, I've heard about uh, that. Yeah, it's it's really good as a nostalgia esque thing. Um, apparently, uh, the I guess there were three remaining blockbusters. Two were in Alaska, and the last was in uh, Bend, Oregon. Okay, because I don't remember the Alaska the, ones. Yeah, the two in Alaska closed down, and so the last. Blockbuster right now is um, is in Bend, Oregon. Um, but yeah, it's a really good documentary. It's, uh, I mean, they, they, they go the whole route where it's like, no, Netflix didn't they didn't end our business. It was it, apparently like some bad business deals, and uh, um, the you, you remember they, uh, they they got rid of their rewind uh, fine. No, maybe I probably stopped going <laughs> when they stopped that, but I don't remember that. Yeah, so apparently it was those two things that led to the downfall. Really, that? <laughs> I guess a lot of their revenue came <laughs> from people not rewinding their tapes. <laughs> I guess so. I guess I guess that's how they made money beyond their uh, I don't know late fees. And <laughs> <laughs> wow. Stuff like that, but uh, you know, it, it, it's a really good documentary and nostalgia documentary. Um, yeah, I'll probably have to check that out this weekend. Yeah, but anyway, let's move on to our movie at hand. Um, yes. the one we're going to be stuck with for the next 11 years. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I'm going to give the countdown, or, or sorry, we're going from minute three to minute four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, just grab your, uh, uh, I already said that. <laughs> All that stuff. Uh, I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Three, two, one, hit play. On a very blurry shot of L. Ron chopping down some orcs. <laughs> as I yeah. was paused on that third, third minute. That's <laughs> uh, so good. This opening sequence. I know I've been saying that on these first three minutes so far, but I just can't help it. Especially this moment when Sauron comes here. Uh, just seeing his armor in full glory. It just looks so cool. See, I don't think he was this big. I think this is just like like how we, like like Babes of Blue Ox sort of thing. Mm. You know? But it makes for a great visual effect, though, just seeing how like yeah. powerful and imposing he can be as a villain. Uh, you gotta be dead after that, right? Yeah, I don't think he's getting up. <laughs> As, yeah, he's dead. Can't even say any last words to his son. He's so good. Again, just seeing this for the first time, not knowing the lore, just seeing all this of Isildur chopping off the fingers of Sauron and not realizing he's going to get the ring and 
that was how Soren was defeated, which is all cool seeing it for the very first time in the theater. Gumi's uh, figure turns to ash. That's what I've never understood. Is that like a... I just think, yeah, it's all like his thing? power just all in the ring. Like, is this his life essence? Like, without it, he's nothing. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was just like a movie thing. It looked cool. I don't know if it like, says it in the books or whatever. Maybe it does. I don't know. That's one yeah. detail from reading the books and listening to the audio books that I don't remember. I should, I need to redo that. It's been almost about nine years since I last, the last time I read it, I listened to the audio books for the whole trilogy, which was really cool. Or I should say really enjoyable, but it's been a while. I always like to do a little refresher on Lord of the Rings trilogy of the books. That's just so much detail in them. You can't remember everything. <laughs> Every so Yeah, long, I was going to so. say, aren't they, aren't they like really dense? Yeah, especially yeah. the fellowship, the beginning of the fellowship of the ring. There's a lot. <laughs> it takes Frodo quite a while to leave the Shire in the book. Really? He has to like, go, like go about selling his house and those no. type of God. scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Say, oh, you know, I gotta find a Hobbit real estate agent. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say. I want to say it's a few years actually to when Gandalf leaves really? him the ring till he leaves. Really? It's a, it's a good amount of time. I think it's a few years. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I know I remember it was being quite a while <laughs> when reading it for the first time after seeing the movie. Like, wow, the movie really moved things along <laughs> a lot faster than the book. Well, I mean, I guess it, it, it kind of makes sense in the sense where it's like, um, it's kind of a low magic sort of thing. Like nobody's teleporting to places and stuff. Yeah. Right? So like Gandalf had to get on his horse, go from the Hobbit, uh, Hobbit town. Is it, is it the Hobbit Shire. Shire, right? Yeah. Uh, and then go to uh, that, that city and research for like years, I guess. And then make his way back, right? So, like, yeah. I, I guess it it works. Imagine if the movie <laughs> follows that strictly that amount <laughs> length of time <laughs> to tell the story. <laughs> it feels like it is <laughs> being submitted by many commentary. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'll, let's move on to uh, our next topic, which is um, going to be. We're going to save that big thing, the Justice League Snyder Cut, uh, for the end. And we're going to um, move on to uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? So, like, this is the show, I think, Tim. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think this is the show that that Marvel should have started off with. Um, <laughs> well, that, that was they... the original plan. Oh, really, was it? Yeah. It oh, was okay. supposed to be the first show to premiere I think it was like August, September of 2020 before COVID happened. I don't think they finished filming um, oh, I see. before before they were able to meet that premiere date. Yeah. Yeah, th- this is definitely the show they should have started off with. And um, I got to say, I really like it. Um, some of the stuff I, I don't really understand, um, particularly uh, Captain America's shield. Okay. Um, so... Uh, just as a basis, uh, or just to start off, at the end of is it Endgame? Yeah, right. 
at the end of Endgame, Captain America goes back in time, right? Somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, with the with the Infinity Stones, he had with to put those Infinity back, Stones. but uh, they uh, were able to, thanks to Ant Man, was able to and Bruce Banner, <laughs> able to yeah. work out time travel. So they had a time travel machine that they built that allowed him to travel okay. back in time. Okay, so he travels back in time, meets up with uh, uh, what's her name? Peggy Carter. Agent Carter. Yeah. Peggy Carter. Uh, they have a whole life, and then in the current day, uh, Captain America is old, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And then he gives the shield to, um, is it Bucky or does he uh, give? Who, he gives it shield? to Sam. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he gives it to Sam, and then Sam doesn't want to be Captain America. Yes. Because that's sort of Steve's thing. Yeah, it's that whole uh, thing of feeling that he's not, either can't live up to the reputation, or maybe he's not worthy enough. Uh, that whole, you know, that whole feeling where <laughs> a uh, legend of filling in those big shoes is quite the responsibility. So then a on top of that he has to give back the shield because it's it's property of the government is it is that giving it back or is it because like i just think he's giving it back since he doesn't feel he should have it he wants to honor the legacy and put it in the the museum where that's all dedicated to captain america and steve and that's if he's not going to have it that's he feels that's where it should belong on display there in the museum for honoring Steve and the government took it and used it without him knowing (laughs) or him realizing that that's what they were going to do with it. Cause I think as we found out in this latest episode, the second one that if he knew they were going to do that, he wouldn't have given it back to him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that sort of confused me because in the second episode, he has that line where it's, I'm guessing it's from civil war where they had, it's like the, they're making like Steve stole the shield from the government and they had to go on the run. Well, here's the thing. You know what? That line uh, actually kind of threw me off a bit because as I was remembering the movies in Civil War, Steve just left the shield for Tony to have. Tony Stark had it after Civil War. And then uh, they were on the run for two years because of that. And then Tony was the one to give Steve back the shield in Endgame. So when uh, Falcon said that, I was wondering, what is he actually referring to there? Maybe there's something I'm just not remembering, but as far as the timeline goes and what was shown in the movies, that's how it happened, where Steve got his shield back once Tony gave it to him and in Endgame. So he didn't have it for two years. So if you remember in Infinity War, when he was in Wakanda, there was that uh, line that Black Panther says in the trailer in the movie, just goes, talking to Steve, get this man a shield because he doesn't have one yet. And he gives him some Wakandan-style shield. So that, mm. that line did throw me off a little bit as far as him referred to where they had to steal it and take it back. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I I wasn't sure about that because I don't remember that specifically. Mm. But I don't remember those Marvel movie, movies very well beyond, you know, Black Panther. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, okay, so... Going back to Civil War. So, sorry, this is like a big rabbit hole that, that we're going down. <laughs> because, you know, so, some stuff I forgot, maybe I didn't understand at the time. Um, so Civil War, right? It is, isn't it about government regulation? 
Yeah. Is that the big thing? Like, yeah, like superhero Iron Man wants, right. Iron Man wants regulation Mm. from the government. And then some people don't want that. So they're fighting. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, so, so what side was Captain America on? And he was on the side. He was on the side of not wanting to sign and be re- like a registered superhero and kind of be in the jurisdiction of the government. He wasn't for that. Okay. And Tony, he, he, Tony Stark he, was. Oh, okay. So it was pretty much Iron Man versus Captain America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, also, kind of moving on from that, uh, can you give me the, the five second slash elevator pitch for who Bucky is? Uh, and the Winter Soldier, like, 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 what's his backstory? Okay, so yeah. he was Steve's it's kind of a big question. But... Yeah, <laughs> he was Steve's pretty much childhood friend, and like pretty okay. much they're like brothers growing up. So he was in the first movie, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So Bucky okay. enlists in, in the war. He he fights off in the war where Steve was left behind, where Steve always wanted to go with him. Yeah, but uh, Bucky was captured by Hydra in the first Captain America movie, and he was experimented on. But we don't know to full extent of how much until the Winter Soldier movie. So in the first Captain America movie, Steve finds Bucky. He rescues him. They go on missions together. But then on one of the missions where they were trying to capture the big Hydra scientist, Armin Zola, on a train. On the train. Yeah. Yeah. Bucky gets blasted and falls off. And they thought he was dead. But of course, as we learn in the Winter Soldier movie, uh, Hydra did find Bucky's body. And because he was experimented on before Steve rescued him, that allowed him to survive the fall and they just did more experiments with him on messing up his mind, brainwashing him and just having him become an assassin throughout the years leading up to the events of the Winter Soldier movie, just kind of putting him like in almost pretty much putting him on ice for lack of better words, we're only waking him up when they need him to fulfill a mission and thus prolonging his life that way. So once he encounters Steve in Winter Soldier again, that kind of rejogs his memory, but he doesn't fully come back. He still has that, those, those brainwashed, those, no, he's not mentally stable thanks to the brainwashed thing that he was done in Hydra. So in Civil War, um, he's being framed as assassinating and causing the explosion for kind of like the declaration of those Sokovia Accords, the Registration Act, where he kills T'Challa's Black Panther's father in that explosion or he's framed to. So Steve goes out looking for him and I'll pretty much tries to clear his name in that. And, but he's obviously wanted by the government. And after, after the events of civil war where Tony and Steve and winter soldiers, they fight, uh, Steve takes Bucky to Wakanda to since he realizes they're probably the only ones who can help him, And just to kind of keep him off the radar since Wakanda is secluded, um, he would be safe there and they would be able to do what they can to get rid of the whole brainwashing uh, stuff that was implemented in his brain to have him become an assassin. Because in civil war, there's like this book where you just say these phrases and that triggers um, something in Bucky's mind that just makes him that assassin again and just makes him become a killing machine without him thinking for himself. That happened several times in civil war. So it once or Steve takes Bucky to Wakanda, they were able to get rid of all that, and just bring him back to normal as far as mentally. But obviously he still remembers everything that he's done and it's just, you know, traumatizes him. It's just something that he's going to have to li- live with and try to deal with and make amends for as we're seeing in 
the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show, which is really cool. And one of the things I really like about it is seeing how Bucky has to try to move on from that part of his life and just how much of a struggle it is and just that weight and that guilt he's going to have because of the things he did, even though he wasn't in control of the things he did. It's as he said in Civil War, I still did it. So uh, just some, I think, really great stuff that they're diving into with his character more so in this series. But that's basically the gist of his story arc in the MCU from where it began to where we're at in the TV show. Okay, so so he's like a sleeper agent for Hydra. Hydra is the secret organization trying to take over the world. Yeah, essentially. Okay. Um, I had one. Oh, okay. So I I watched it late last night. Um, was that the girl from Solo? Yeah. Solo? Uh-huh. And business, yeah, yeah. And business, right? Yeah, <laughs> she looks so familiar. Like, well, why can't I uh, remember? Which, um, which I'm hoping now that she's on this Disney Plus show, maybe they'll use her again for a future Star Wars show to repraise her role as Empress Ness because I love that character. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be yeah. cool to see her back in the Star Wars. Good to see uh, she's staying in the Disney sort of uh, universe. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you get um, your foot in one door, you go into another Disney property, then yeah. you can kind of go back and forth. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess my final question is, who is that person at the end? I know he looks familiar. I've seen him in the Marvel movies. I just don't know who he is. Zemo. So Zemo. he was pretty much the big bad guy in Civil War. He is the one who orchestrated a lot of the feud between Tony and steve in that movie aside from the whole superhero registration act um but so he's someone who has a lot of information on hydra obviously that's why sam and bucky are going to go see him um but yeah he's zemo is a pretty big avengers villain um was done a little differently in the civil war movie in the mcu but i'm looking forward to seeing him in this show because he's going to be donning his comic costume which is pretty cool It's, it's kind of basically like a almost like a, a robber ski mask <laughs> over himself, but it, there's a cool visual look to it. I just loved in the comics that from the posters and stuff, they're translating, it's translating pretty well in live action too, but I'm looking forward to seeing him again. So he was the one who revealed that Bucky killed uh, Tony's parents for Hydra. And that's what caused the whole fight between uh, Tony and Steve at the end of civil war. So his, his whole thing was to bring the Avengers down from within and he pretty much succeeded in Civil War because obviously they weren't together after that and when the events of Infinity War started. So um, it'll be interesting to see how long, if he decides to help in any way with Bucky and Sam, if he actually teams up with them or he has his own agenda that he's going to end up being the big bad guy in this series too. So I'm looking forward to see how they use him again in this series. Okay. I think I'm... Oh, one more question. So... <laughs> Yeah. So, Steve is dead from from old age. I'm no, I think so, he should still be alive. Still alive. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I, good. I think the official like stance in the universe, like for the public to know, is that he just retired. I think that's what they said in the first yeah. episode. But I don't think no one knows that he's an old man now, except for those obviously who are really close to him. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, I think um, I'm caught up. I'll caught up, caught up without having to watch any of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, just have you explain it to me. <laughs> Which I'm sure is so much more entertaining than actually watching them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, so 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 much more. Um, yeah, but I'm with you. I'm enjoying the the series as well. The yeah. action's the action's great, and then just getting diving into more of the characters of Sam and Bucky's been really cool too. So, the, the, oh, there's only six episodes for the series, so we only got four more, <laughs> which is kind of a bummer. But um, yeah, so far it's been really good. I just wish, um, you, you know, when they had the the uh, truck to truck fight uh-huh. on top of the trucks, uh, I wish they just zoomed out a little bit so you could see the fight a little better. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's a special like two close up shots with kind of Falcon flying around a little bit. Yeah, in, in amongst the trucks and trying to save Bucky. I know what you mean on that. But. Yeah, I, I just wish they sort of like. <laughs> Zoomed out just a little tiny bit so that uh, it wasn't so fast. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm loving the series so far uh, more than I did uh, WandaVision. So um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching it, Tim. Nice, t- t- Tim. I'm gonna keep on watching the Marvel TV. I show. know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what an age we're living in. <laughs> uh, but but now we can get it to get to our news um gotham knights has been delayed the the video game it's okay if you if you kind of forgot about it because both tim and i also did um <laughs> not so much where i forgot about it but kind of just lost under the radar that it was coming out this year i just thought it was kind of further out anyway <laughs> yeah so so instead of uh 2021 it's going to come out in 2022 uh j- just so that uh they can have more time to work on the game uh which is a good thing it's, it is a good thing, even though you got to wait. It's a, still a good thing, right? Tim? Rather, yeah, I'd rather have a good polished game later than kind of a rush, unfinished game now. <laughs> but, right. Dan, we got another co-op game that's going to be coming out this year to take its place that I'm really excited about. What game is that, Tim? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think Revenge of the Shredder is what it's called. That's an old-school throwback to the yeah. arcade-style co-op beat-em-up games and Boy, I can't wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, now we can play together. You got a PS5, I got a PS5. We can, we can definitely co-op. I know we got to for this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. <laughs> yeah. Um, our our next uh, piece of news is uh, the Suicide Squad trailer, uh, the James Gunn Suicide Squad trailer. Uh, Tim, what did you think? <laughs> Yeah, it just dropped yesterday as we're recording this episode. Kind of out of the blue on Thursday, James Gunn tweeted, the trailer's coming tomorrow. I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, when I saw it, it pretty much ex- was exactly what I was expecting to be, a James Gunn Suicide Squad movie. It had a feel of one of his movies. I had got some Guardians vibes in there, uh, which is to be expected, and I think it fits in this type of Suicide Squad movie that he's going to be making, has his humor style in there, which... Some was great. Some was like, eh, it was okay. But um, it was stuff where this movie just looks crazy fun. The action, <laughs> I think, is going to be fun. The characters looks like they're going to be real enjoyable. One of my favorite uh, just kind of quieter moments is when Amanda Waller is kind of like giving a briefing. And you see, like, does anyone have any questions? King Shark, who's going to be voiced by Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> which is pretty cool. He just, you know, looks at his hand. He goes, hand. And everyone just rolls their eyes. And then um, I forget who Bloodsport, uh, played by Idris Elba, says, oh, we're all going to die. <laughs> and the part I love most is Polka Dot Man uh, just looks at him and goes, 
God, I hope so. <laughs> just knowing just how ridiculous this team is and just the stuff they're going to go through. It should be a really good time. But the thing I really got me excited as a DC Comics fan is I think they might have mentioned this beforehand or it was rumored, but I can't remember. But it definitely confirmed in this trailer what the big bad is big bad guy is going to be in this is going to be the first villain the Justice League faced off in the comics, which is the alien Starro. The big giant alien starfish, <laughs> which we got a quick glimpse of him in the trailer from kind of a far out shot and a little bit of his tentacles. But it's going to be this giant starfish alien monster, which I can't wait to see in live action and see the Suicide Squad go up against. I think that's going to be lots of fun. So just a little cool throwback to some early DC lore of one of the Justice League's very first villains that they have to go up against. But yet it's going to be the Suicide Squad that's going to be going up against them. So, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing it later this summer, uh, probably on HBO Max <laughs> again, which I'm loving that day and day release at home and in the theater. So that's going to be just a cool, another cool, fun comic book movie to see later on this summer. So, yeah, uh, I'm excited for it. You know, going back to uh, Blockbuster, I I think... I think movie theaters are going to go the way of Blockbuster. You know in, what? It's, in, in the sense. It's, yeah. Go ahead. That's like going to be more of like an event only type thing I could see right. happening a few years down the line. Or a niche thing. A yeah. Niche thing where it's like, uh, it's going to be like a throwback sort of thing because, I mean, it's just the ease of just streaming something on your TV or your computer or your, your PlayStation mm-hmm. or something. It's, it's, it's just easier. And I, I, I know people like to say like, um, you know, it's, it, it's about seeing it on the big screen with the sounds and everything, but then, you know, you can buy a big screen TV and you can, yeah. you can get, you know, surround sound stuff. And like, I, I don't know. I, I kind of have this feeling that, movie theaters are gonna be a throwback thing um and it's not gonna be as big of a thing as it was when we were kids right Mm -hmm. yeah i mean for me personally that's how i feel about it because i'm fortunate enough i was able to invest in kind of a nice home theater setup with a big screen tv and surround sound and where it's i don't really miss the theater experience that much i mean there's part of me that does where when it's a big event like a big comic book movie or star wars movie where it is fun seeing it with fellow fans and just the reactions and the cheers you sometimes get those that stuff is cool to experience not gonna lie but the overall in like stuff as far as being immersed in a movie with the big screen and the sound i kind of have that for my home theater room and that's why i kind of prefer where if they're going to release with the hbo max stuff day in and day same day releases for them I'm going to choose the stay home option uh, for what I have. And even when things kind of get back to normal where uh, with COVID kind of hopefully once we're far removed for that and everyone, most people are vaccinated, theaters are open, things are back to normal where you can go to a theater, no problem. If they still had the day, same day release for a big movie I want to see, I probably would still stay home and watch it instead of going out to the theater. So yeah, that's if there's more people out there kind of who feel the same way that I do with that, then I think you're right. I could totally see it going down that path, which, you know, I don't want to see theater chains close and, you know, people lose jobs and all that stuff. But 
it's kind of kind of hard not to think about that might be the potential outcome live i want to say further down the road but maybe not quite as far as far away as we might think it might be sooner rather than later yeah uh but anyway yeah <laughs> uh, speaking of movies uh let's get to the big one the long oh, yeah, yes. the, the big long one um so uh zack snyder's justice league came out it's uh, here. everybody watched it uh I, I think I'm going to give my thoughts before you go into your four hour long uh, scene by scene. <laughs> yes, uh, he's going to be longer than the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm um, anxiously awaiting to hear your thoughts, Dane, because yeah. you just sent me a text like after you saw it saying, like, I'm going to be surprised <laughs> of your thoughts on it. So, well, well, I guess first off, how did you, did, did you watch the whole four hours continuously? I did that Thursday. Yeah. See, wow. I I did ask to have that day off for work, and I did get it off. But not that day, but the following day. But then yeah. some some came up where they asked if I can come in <laughs> the next day. So oh. I worked a half day that following Friday. So I was like, okay, I, I could live with that, and I'll still watch it that Thursday night, all four hours. And I made it through all four hours. So yeah, stayed up a little later than I usually do, but <laughs> it was worth yeah. it. Yeah, I I I watched it until. Uh, or actually, I should say, I watched it on Saturday, and um, I watched, I want to say, like, the first two hours and 45 minutes to three hours, Okay. Um, right around the scene where uh, Victor's in the car with his mom. Okay. Yeah. That's I, think, I think that's, like, part three or part four. Yeah, in the, in the chapter break. Not really sure. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and then I took a break, and then I watched the rest of it um, in a second uh, sit down. Um, it is too long. It's it's way 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 too long. Um, I was talking with my dad, and my dad was like, "Yeah, I I, I couldn't make it through it. Um, you know, I had to turn it off." <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's way too long. Um, I it's it's still not a one of my favorite films. I I still don't think it's a good film. I don't think it's a good movie. Uh, it's it's one big giant mess. Um, is the best way to uh, put it. Uh, yeah, it's it's just way too. There's so many moving parts that don't really connect to each other. There's storylines that are dropped. There's things that are mentioned that are never mentioned, uh, never mentioned, never seen again. Um, for instance, Batman is wanted in in, in Metropolis for <laughs> because people think he's kidnapping people, right? Well, the thing is, that's the there's the the parademons are Batman. <laughs> that's what. Yeah. Yeah, but thinking. but but you're never really you, you never really hear about that again. So so was there a a no that wasn't me that was these parademon things that you've never seen before? Gordon uh, kind of makes it clear as far as like you know kind of putting the kibosh on that. Obviously we know, but to the people who might think I mean, that, the hearing Gordon I say guess, that, I guess. And, and and then in the beginning with one woman and the bank, uh, is she at a bank? Is that a bank or is that like a 
like a government building. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think it was a I bank. Suppose. I think it was like it was probably a government yeah. building. I forget exactly what it is, but yeah, yeah. Um, with, with that group and like, like they, they, they want to like make things simpler or something. Go back to simpler times, um, and, and that's totally dropped. Uh, it feels like a bunch of different movies jammed into one movie, which is, I think, it's the, it's the Marvel Avengers sort of thing where it's like we have Iron Man, we have Captain America, we have Thor, um, and they're all in this movie together, and it it, it gels together really well. Whereas this one, it just feels like it's you know four or five different movies that sort of are chopped up and put into something right into this movie. Um, but with that being said, I feel like some of the ideas, right? Some of the ideas that I guess Zack Snyder and Chris Terrio had for the characters were good in particular. Um, cyborg yep <laughs> right? um i guess ray fisher was ray with all of his allegations you know it's it, i i wish they did a cyborg movie instead of this um I, I i felt like his story was what was getting me through all of this not necessarily dark side or steppenwolf or decide um it, it was cyborg and his story I just wish that they just made that movie instead. And I wish it was a little more co- cohesive than, than what we got. I mean, it's, it's, it's all really well. Uh, it, it's, it's all good stuff. Um, uh, but I, I don't know. It's, it's like they're, they were beginnings of good ideas, but then they tried to tie them together into this whole dark side thing. Uh, anti-life equation, uh, Steppenwolf, Mother Boxes thing, and it just doesn't work together. Um, but I really enjoyed this movie in the sense that, yeah, some scenes were just thrown in for for no reason, like um, that whole scene between. Lois and Martha, quote unquote, uh, just to sort of jam Martian Man under the scene. Uh, <laughs> I'll get like, to that in my part, my review. Yes, <laughs> it, it kind of doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, so Lois is sad that Clark's been dead, right? Okay, I understand that, but then Martha has to show up and then say like oh you should get back into the world you know it's it's uh the, the world is empty without you or whatever and then what i don't understand is like they have a scene later where uh at, at, at ken farm and then martha shows up and she's like oh lois i haven't seen you in a long time wouldn't lois be like i saw you last week or, or a couple <laughs> weeks ago right I know there's like she to say, say like a thank you for getting me out of my rut. Yeah. Bart to be like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so it it has these beginnings or pieces of 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 a good movie, 
a single good movie that has nothing to do with you know the over the the overarching story of dark side and all all of this other stuff um but i i guess i guess it works and it doesn't work right you have more time especially with that um that sewer fight in gotham mm-hmm. i thought that that was way better like that that sort of had a better arc to it it, it wasn't just like okay so now we're here now we're in Gotham talking to Jim Gordon. Now we're in the sewers. We fight the guys, and then on to the next scene. Right? Yeah. It, it's it, it gave it more time to breathe. Definitely. Uh, yeah. But so, some some other stuff that didn't. Re- uh, I I just didn't. I just could not get into. Uh, the the big one, and I hate to say, it, I really hate to say it, is Ezra Miller's Flash. I just thought he was too much. Really, it, it was too much. Um, Especially in in that that scene, I'm guessing it's um, it, it, is it a reshoot? Is it a Zack Snyder reshoot uh, in is it Central City? Uh huh. Like yeah, where, yeah. where he saves Iris. Yeah, where he goes to the job interview. Yeah, no, that wasn't a reshoot. That was originally shot during principal photography, just cut for the theatrical release. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just cannot remember it. Um, but th- that was just—it was too much with the interview. And he's like, he's like, "Oh, well, I'm Flash. I'm fast, but I'm late." <laughs> sort well, of that's, that's always Barry's like, thing, okay. though. As the fastest yeah. man alive, and he's always late. <laughs> I I just don't think we needed it in this movie, um, especially the the sort of portrait that Zack Snyder's trying to paint, where it's like, and I think this is what was the problem with this movie to begin with um you know with the joss whedon cut i guess you could call it is Zack snyder had a specific vision right Mm. which is what i think he wanted to do was the sort of post-apocalyptic batman right yeah kind of all leading towards that sort of prologue i mean that the epilogue that we get at the end um but then i guess warner brothers or or DC wanted to do the Marvel thing, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think this, I, I think this specific scene is one that doesn't work in the Zack Snyder sort of vision, right? It's, okay. It's it's too campy. It kind of doesn't really make any sense. It's introducing a character, you know, Iris West, when we don't really need her in it, right? Mm-hmm. And At least like, in this movie, yeah. The cool yeah. thing, though, is that she is the same actress as playing her, and this is going to be an upcoming Flash movie. So we will be seeing her again, but in the stakes of Justice League here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, if, if you get rear-ended by a truck like that, you're dead. Like, like <laughs> she, 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 she would have been dead. And, I mean, the, the, the sort of fast thing that he does, that fast vision, I guess you'd call it, and he's like touching her and he's looking into her eyes <laughs> and like being all creepy. That did not work at all. <laughs> that came off awful. Um, that was terrible. <laughs> um, and, and just his little comments and, you know, visiting his dad in prison. It's like, I don't think we really needed this story in 
this movie. I think we should have just shot more stuff for Cyborg instead because his story is it seems like this was supposed to be the basis of this movie but then again i can't really say that because it like that there's also the the clark kent superman thing where it's like he's coming back from from the dead he has his moment with lois he goes to the fortress of solitude or no he he goes to his ship right yeah and um you know, puts on that black suit, which I didn't know was a, apparently it, it heals him. That's why well, he has that suit on. In the, in the comic book versions of the death of Superman, when he comes back, he wears that black suit. Yeah. Because for that reason, but they don't really say that in the movie. Exactly. It's kind of an homage to that comic, comic yeah. book black suit. Yeah. Okay. So for like a four, four hour movie, you, you can cut in a 30 second scene. Yeah. <laughs> No, that would just make it too long game. An extra 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this heals me, you know, sort of thing. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, despite all of my criticisms and like stuff that doesn't really make any sense, it's, this movie is like, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Uh, Tim, what is your favorite food, right? You don't have to tell me. Okay, so what's your second favorite food? And what's your third favorite food? What's your fourth favorite food? What's your fifth favorite food? Right? Mm-hmm. So imagine those five things and imagine those things blended all together in a blender. <laughs> Shake, right? This is what this movie is to me. Uh, See, I like to think you'd have those five favorite foods all in like one meal, not necessarily mixed in a blender, but they're all in the table for you on separate plates ready for you to eat and enjoy it kind of is you know mixed in a blender because all these stories at least they're trying to jam it together somehow you know this is i don't know it 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 should have been i i think batman versus superman and superman's story in this story should have been man of steel 2 um cyborg probably should have been a cyborg movie uh wonder woman and what she was kind of doing in the beginning should have been wonder woman 2 <laughs> i guess you could say um, um i will say not to bag on wonder woman 1984 but all the amazon and wonder woman stuff we got in this is a what way better wonder woman movie than right. <laughs> right. we got in 84 yeah. should have been wonder woman too right <laughs> uh the batman stuff you could have had your own batman movie and just kept it as that it's it's kind of it, it's it's trying to do i don't know end game as your third movie mm-hmm. you know instead of having this lineage of movies and characters and people and themes you know and and that's another thing. Like, what were the themes of this movie? Because it's so patched together. It's it kind of doesn't have an overarching theme to the movie. Like, is it stopping Darkseid? Is it stopping Steppenwolf? Is it bringing Superman back? Is it getting the Justice League together? Is it? Well, it's you, kind of all those know, things, like, really. Like, <laughs> yeah, all... Is it all of those things? Yeah. Uh, but but then again. You, you know, you have to tie those themes together to create a cohesive thing. And that's what I think this movie does not do at all. 
Um, it's it's just one big giant mess. But with that said, I really enjoyed Cyborg's uh, story. Uh, how he, even though it kind of, you kind of got to look the other way on some stuff. Like after the car accident, how did his dad get his body? <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, and like, how come? Or, or, you know, maybe I'll ask you, Tim. How come his dad had to die in in, in, in this movie? How come he could just be outside of the box and press the button to to destroy I, the? I think he was because uh, I was rewatching it again yesterday. And it was one little quick yeah. detail I knew I noticed during that scene. Like he was ready to get out of that room. You see him about to go out, but then he sees Steppenwolf kind of charging into the okay. laboratory area he's in. So he's like, I can't go out that way. He's probably going to kill me quicker than I have time to activate. So he stayed in there, shut the door to keep Steppenwolf from killing him before he activates the machine. So And then it didn't even work, right? No, it worked. Uh, I guess. No, because the point wasn't to stop Steppenwolf from taking it. It was for oh. so Victor can track it. Once Steppenwolf takes it, they'll know where to find it and find out where Steppenwolf's hiding. That was the whole point of it. Uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed Cyborg's story. I guess Ray Fisher was right. You can uh, understand him being so upset with <laughs> the final yeah. cut with all how much stuff they cut from his story. Right. Like everything was cut pretty much. I know. And and it's it's the worst stuff for it, and I wish we just got a little bit more of that instead of all of this other bigger picture sort of stuff. Um I <laughs> I'm sort of like skipping all over the place. So uh, just it's sort of like the movie. I'm just skipping all over the place. Um, <laughs> um, I enjoyed, enjoyed Jared Leto's Joker. <laughs> I thought it was right on the nose. Why didn't he just do this in the beginning? <laughs> sort of right. creepy, creepy, smart, intelligent. Um, Joker. Um, I, I really like the scenes where he's sort of out of focus and you can just see the makeup and the smile and his, his black eyes and stuff, mm-hmm. the white makeup. I, I make another Joker movie and have Jared Leto do it. <laughs> Jared Leto, what he wants to do with it. Um, yeah. that, that was the type of stuff like when he first got cast, thinking of what we would probably what we we're gonna see <laughs> this portrayal of the Joker. Like, I, Finally on display in this one scene. Um, And again, different from, I'd say, Heath Ledger and um, Joaquin Phoenix's. Totally, yeah. Yeah, totally. And I wish we we sort of got that. Um, Steppenwolf, yeah, I just did not care. Again, um, yeah, I don't know what it is. His, his, His voice was hard to hear in this. In this, uh, they did have like a little vocal effect on it that it didn't have in the theatrical cut, but yeah, I actually so, kind of like how it sounded. Though. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just couldn't get into his story or Dark Side story. I know it's the big, the big thing of this movie, but I just could not get into it with the mother boxes and going to get the one in the uh, mascara. Um, let me. I, I, I like how, you know, in Themyscira, they they sort of built a structure with these doors and like this, it's guarded 
same thing with with the the Elanians sort of box. They, they they created like like this big thing around it, and then they have they have guards with guns and stuff. Um, and then for the for for man's one, they just <laughs> put it in the grid, like yeah. Three <laughs> just tells you how pathetic men is in our, yeah. our technology. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know that's funny. It's not the same thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just cannot get into uh, the whole Steppenwolf thing um, or the Lois stuff. Um, I, I I know why she was she was in it to you know I guess make Superman realize who he was to bring Superman um, back. Really, I mean, yeah, which, which to me works. I mean, obviously, the love of his life is going to trigger get his mental emotional state back to normal. So. Yeah. And it's kind of unfortunate because uh, Amy Adams and Henry Cavill, they, they, they just don't have chemistry as Lois and Clark. It, it just it kind of doesn't work. Um, I, I, I felt this, you know, with Batman versus Superman. And then now this, I'm not sure if it's written that way. If it, or if it's because of the writing, or if it's because they just truly don't have any chemistry together. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I just couldn't get into like that whole thing. And uh, a, a scene I thought was really, really well done is when Superman goes to his ship, or goes to the ship, mm. and uh, you know he's he's walking through it, and then you have like the dual sort of. Uh, yeah. voice from uh, Kevin Costner and um, Russell Crowe, and I, I, I even think is is that new lines or is that lines taken from those movies? Uh, I think movie? mo- it's mainly taken from the previous movie from Man of Steel, but I believe there is some new dialogue in there too, because there are certain lines that were, didn't that didn't sound familiar to me. Yeah, right, right. It didn't sound familiar. I thought that was really well done. Um, and I wish they could sort of expanded on that, you know, a little bit more instead of having, you know, to having to talk about like all of this other stuff, like where's Steppenwolf, what are the other boxes? I don't know. It, it's it's like it, it 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 forgets its human characters, and it it sort of try, tries to force your attention onto this bigger thing that they're trying to patch together. And yeah, it just doesn't work. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I guess for me, I I liked it as a whole, as a, as a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Or sorry, let let me go back on that. I didn't like it as a big thing. I liked it as a smaller thing, where it focused on its characters rather than. You know, so, sort of made it about this big, this big thing um, that Zack Snyder, I guess, wanted to do. I guess it doesn't really matter anymore. Um, but I, I guess that's the big difference between you know the Marvel movies, where they they, they sort of slowly did it uh, over time with with a lot of movies um, and they really focused on the characters rather than, you know, um, Thanos, right? 
Mm-hmm. That uh, what Thanos is trying to do. It's, and I, I I wish, I wish they did it with this movie, or or this series of movies rather than try to, yeah. you know, hit a homer on the first pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, as much as I enjoy the DC movies, I I still wish they did did it the Marvel way. I know they wanted to try not to copy Marvel. And I get that, but when things work, they just work. <laughs> That's yeah. the slow build up to the big event. It was the route I wish they would have went instead of, like you said, trying to hit a home run on the first or hit a three run home run with nobody on base <laughs> type of thing. Right, right, right. That's a good analogy, Tim. You know, because we we don't really we haven't really settled with these characters, yeah. Uh, particularly, Cyborg and Flash. Um, you know, we kind of got an Aquaman movie. Kind of no, got. I came afterwards. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Um, but we kind of got an Aquaman movie. We kind of got a Wonder Woman movie. We did. Kind of got a Batman movie. <laughs> I guess you could call it. Um, but I, I, I just wish we had a Batman movie. We had a Flash movie. Mm-hmm, had a Wonder yeah. Woman movie. Uh, where we could really get to know them, rather than just like, okay. Here's a bunch of people you know. They're gonna do this thing, and yeah, that's gonna be their thing. Um, Which yeah, it's really hard to pull off. And again, for a theatrical cut movie, even even if Zack Snyder uh, didn't leave the project, obviously the final his version wouldn't have been four hours. So it would still be a limited amount of time, like two and a half, probably two hours and forty five minutes. That if he really had his true theatrical vision in there, there still would have been not enough time to really flesh out all these characters probably as well as they shouldn't. But in this scenario of the Snyder Cut being four hours, I think this is kind of the only way, at least for me, and I think a few people, some other, not a few people, but some of the people I've seen online and talked to about it where this is, having a four hour length movie is kind of the only way you can flesh out the stories and background of these characters that you're just introducing in this film, like Barry and Victor and Arthur um, in this long movie to get to care about. And I think it did that where that's why some of those instances that maybe you felt felt out of place or it could have been trimmed, which might be the case. But um, when it's just such an unprecedented way of watching a movie, that's not Zack Snyder cut is being four hours. It worked in that sense, where I think without having their own movies, there was enough shown, and you got to see with these characters first being introduced here. But again, that's it's, it's such its own unique scenario that you can't expect that to work necessarily the best when you're doing if it was just a normal theatrical release, release, and which is why I still feel doing it the slow build up with each character having their own solo movie before the big team up still works the best but in this case in this scenario of a four-hour long movie i think it does its job well as far as getting you to care about these characters that you're first just seeing in this one yeah i'm i'm kind of gonna have to disagree with you there in the sense that i i just just couldn't get into you know characters like the flash or aquaman there's there's kind of nothing there for them um and again, it's it's kind of something that 
the comics handle really well, and I'm not sure if it translates really uh, at all to to movies where they just don't know what to do with Batman. You know, um, Wonder Woman's fighting, Aquaman is fighting, Superman is fighting, Flash is running around, Cyborg is has the mother box. They just don't know really what to do with with Batman. Besides, like, okay, so. I got a ship that takes us there. I got a vehicle that takes us underneath and I can shoot this alien gun. You know, it's, it's, it's like they, they just didn't know what to do well, with him because he doesn't really have any superpowers. Yeah. Just that's guy. part of the course with these movies. Yeah. Like even some of the animated justice league movies where Batman's up against aliens and whatnot. He does what he can with the limited abilities that he has as a human. I mean, if he had the Batman beyond suit, yeah, <laughs> he'd be able yeah. to go all out with the rest of them, which would be awesome. But again, using yeah, but what like, he has is playing the Batmobile, his gadgets. The, I, mean, I thought Batman was used as much as he could have been in this fight against alien monsters who can uh, take him out pretty quickly. But the, yeah. to me, I just, there wasn't any big noticeable difference of Batman not being handled well in this big battle sequence. It's kind of, I think, par for the core for how we usually see him handled in these type of situations where there's these aliens and monsters that all the superpower beings are fighting and he's doing what he can just as a human. Yeah, but the problem with that is I go back to Batman versus Superman and remake the suit. You know? Yeah, that's like that's that's true. Or maybe it was I mean, would have took Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. I actually never really thought about that. But. <laughs> You see, I mean, like, it's it's stuff like that that I kind of have a problem with. It's like, the sort of like, you could have thought about that and sort of put it into the movie. Because really um, the only thing he could have done extra if he had that suit was yeah. join in the fight against Steppenwolf. Like, right, right. Wonder Woman it it, it would have been great to see, right? It would have been great to see that. Um. Well, yeah, like, like even done it, the it, Justice it, League Unlimited of... episode, uh, Destroyer, the final episode where Darkseid yeah. makes his final attack on the Metropolis. I mean, Batman goes up against or tries to go up against Darkseid just in his normal suit. <laughs> he doesn't really land any critical blows. He throws a battery on him, an explosive battery, yeah. which is annoying to Darkseid. But it's still made for that awesome moment where Darkseid fires his Omega beams and Batman dodges it. And Darkseid is very impressed by that. So he could have done maybe something even if he had his normal suit but i know what you mean yeah i mean it's it, instead of having like a music video of aquaman drinking whiskey <laughs> or whatever and crashing waves and stuff with the with a song or those those norwegian women singing their hymn you know you could have seen where batman makes the suit i'm just saying <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, but overall, I guess I, I'd say I liked it. Uh, it, it, it. If you don't think about the little things, you don't think about the story because it's so all over the place and it's so patched together. It's a great action movie. Um, I don't know how much they added to that, that underground uh, fight sequence or the, um, the, the fight sequence at the end. Um, I, I think they handled the end the, the end fight the action sequence better uh, in this movie than they did um, in 
the Joss Whedon. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, cut. I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess o- overall, I really, really liked it. Um, just as an action movie. Uh, and it, yeah, like I said, if, if if you don't think about the little things, you don't think about the story, you don't think about themes, you don't think about the characters, you, you just see your characters that you've read and seen on animated TV shows and other movies and stuff like that. If you see them working together and then fighting guys, it's it's really well done. I just wish there was a little more story cohesiveness. I wish I, cohesiveness. I I just think it was a little more cohesive rather than just all patched together. And um, I guess one final thing I'll, I will say is I <laughs> Zack Snyder surprised me. Uh, the movie ends and you know it's it, it says for his daughter and stuff and the credits are rolling yeah, for autumn yeah. And, and yeah and it's like it it's like that slow piano song i was like oh he didn't use hallelujah <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough it's a cover of hallelujah <laughs> That made me laugh. Uh, that Snyder made me laugh. I, I, you got me there, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, I didn't think he'd do it. I didn't think he'd do it, but you snuck it in there <laughs> right at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I found out not too long ago where the reason it's in there because that's like his daughter's favorite song. So, oh, really? Yeah, it makes oh, okay. all the sense in the yeah, world now that yeah. yeah, that he decided to use that not only for the trailer but then as the final song for the credits too. Oh, I see. Yeah, because he used it in Watchmen. He used it in the trailer, and he used it here. But, but yeah, it 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 made me laugh at the end, and uh, I was like, you know what? I get it. I, you know, I, I I sort of get what he's his fans are thinking. You know, they they, they wanted this. Again, let me highlight the words. Sort of. Uh, <laughs> Um, and you know, I, I I I get you know what he wanted to do with this, and I I, I get why he couldn't. Um, and I I just enjoyed it, uh, just pure and simple. I just enjoyed it. Um, it it, it was just just a great action movie. Um. And yeah, I guess that's it. All right. Well, I'm definitely glad at least you enjoyed it overall for yeah for what your experience with it. So that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so for oh, me... can I say one more thing, Tim? Sorry, oh, you're done, Dane. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, don't get the uh, the the Martian Manhunter um, thing at the end. Mm-hmm. So. Batman sort of creates the Justice League. Let's get all these heroes together to create this Justice League, right? And then Martian Man, Manhunter at the end is like, do you want to create a super Justice League? Is that, <laughs> is that what he's saying? Uh, I'll get to the that ending part in a bit. <laughs> okay. Because I got some stuff to say about that, just Martian Manhunter in general. But Yeah. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, first off, I oh, made it. Sorry, no- Tim. Sorry. Tim. <laughs> One more thing, Dave. One more thing. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to keep on interrupting you. Um, so that actor who plays Martian Manhunter has appeared in in Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, or Man of Steel yeah. as that military commander. Yeah. Batman, Batman versus Superman as the senator, right? No, he's plays. He's or, that military commander in both movies. Oh, in both movies. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then in this movie, he's Martian Manhunter. So, is it John Jones' disguise? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, yeah, yeah, when you look back on Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, that's really John Jones the whole time. Uh, I see. I yeah. see. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you sure? You done? <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think so. Should I give a little? Five second wait <laughs> until I start. Uh, let me think. L- let me just run, run in my mental Rolodex really quick. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I think we're good. Okay. I think we're good then. Okay, so for me, I've obviously made it no secret that I actually really enjoyed the theatrical cut for what it is. I understood the problems and like all the reshoot stuff that went into with it. Not everything worked about it for me, but I still enjoyed what I saw seeing some of my favorite characters on screen together for the first time. And I still stand by that. I think there's things I still enjoy about the theatrical cut. There's actually a few like lines of dialogue and some moments that I wish were kept in the Zack Snyder cut. Uh, there actually could be an ultimate cut, I think, of a few things from the theatrical one in here that I think would make it you know, the best Justice League movie experience that we had. But um, maybe I'll touch on those a little later. But um, going into the Snyder cut, obviously, didn't think it was going to happen so the fact that we even got it is just incredible and going into it i wasn't sure you know what was my reaction to it was going to be as far as is it going to be another kind of batman versus superman thing where it was something i didn't necessarily thought was the greatest the first time i saw it but kind of the more i saw it, it understood what they were trying to do and even though it wasn't my favorite i can appreciate what type of story they were trying to tell and just kind of enjoying it more as time went on and I saw it, it wasn't going to be that type of scenario. But once those kind of early reactions and reviews for it started coming out, people saying, wow, this is like really great. And just hardcore comic book movie fans, not just necessarily DC fans only, but fans of just comic book movies, that genre in general, just saying, hey, this is actually really good and can be one of the greats. It's got started getting me more hyped and excited for, oh, this could be actually something really cool and special here. So I was pretty darn excited going into it that Thursday night when I watched it and afterwards after it was over I kind of echoed those same reactions I saw earlier I really really liked it enjoyed it and I just watched it again last night before recording this episode I I was planning to watch it uh, probably half of it maybe two hours but just couldn't shut it off <laughs> it just stayed engrossed when I started watching it again just watched the whole four hours in one sitting twice so uh, and I have to see it again. I just, I just, I love it. I'm just going to say it right there. I really l- love this version. This, the theatrical cut doesn't compare to this one. Kind of in a similar instance as kind of the Lord of the Rings extended cut and theatrical cuts. When someone says, Do you want to watch Justice League? Or I'm going to say, I feel like watching Justice League. It's not even going to be a question of which one I'm going to watch. It's going to be Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. Just like Lord of the Rings, the extended edition is the only one I watch of those movies. Um, and like I said, even though there's some things I liked in the theatrical cut that aren't in this one, that could be something where if I just feel like seeing those, I could just pop, like watch a digital version on my iPad or iPhone or 
um, digital app or something and just see those little interests that I like. They don't necessarily make the movie. They're just moments here and there that I really enjoy. Just for example, one of my favorite lines in the theatrical cut was where they were in um, under Gotham Harbor. They're about to attack Steppenwolf and the Parademons. And Barry is like really nervous about entering his first fight against these aliens. And Batman kind of has to calm him down. And he just says, just save one. That's all you got to do. I always, I just like that line Batman has it just Batman kind of being obviously the veteran superhero and just mentoring the rookies here and how to handle a battle. I just like that instance and kind of bit a line of dialogue I wish was in there and kind of one of the more funny aspects or that was in the theatrical cut that wasn't in here was after the whole Gotham Harbor fight and they're kind of regrouping and Aquaman kind of reveals that Steppenwolf took the uh, mother box from Atlantis. He sees bat Batman and Bruce dressed as a bat. He just does, gives that chuckle like, <laughs> Just as a bat. I dig it. <laughs> I just like that little interaction they had. And then Batman's talking to Gordon about working together with others, saying how it might be temporary. I think that line still could have been in there because um, Zack Snyder obviously filmed the scene where Bruce first meets Aquaman, where Aquaman kind of is making fun of him as far as dressing as a bat. He's like, you seriously dress as a bat. That line was in their first bit, their first interaction in the Snyder Cut. So it's kind of surprised his reaction to seeing him in the bat suit was kind of cut. I just thought that was a funny moment. And plus you get more of J.K. Simmons as Jim Gordon, which we don't have in this one, which is a bummer. But so just little things like that, but not necessarily moments that make the movie because this version is just far superior as a Justice League movie. And I mean, the differences start off right away. Just I love the way this movie starts where it's recapping the death of Superman from BVS where you're obviously seeing Wonder Woman, Lois, and Bruce's reaction to seeing Superman die, but hearing his screams kind of echo across the world pretty much, waking up the mother boxes, I just love that, just that power of Superman as far as his energy being felt and vibrated throughout the world. You see Cyborg's reaction, you see Luthor's reaction, you see um, obviously Atlantis, like I said, the Amazons hearing it. It was just great just seeing the scope of the power that Superman has and just waking up the mother boxes there. I just thought that was a great moment to showcase that. And just things get moving right away as far as Bruce recruiting Aquaman first and then just getting the ball rolling for getting the Justice League together. And there was something I just really liked about this as far as uh, Batman and Bruce's character arc in this movie jumping off from BVS. A few more bits of conversations and dialogue he has with Alfred here that just really drives home the point of him neat feeling the need to bring this team together in honor and the promise he made at Superman's grave. And that just fits so well into Batman's character here because obviously one of the things <laughs> that just I love about the character so much is his dedication and his promise that he made to on his parents' grave. So it just harkens back to that where you're seeing that determination here. He made one promise to his on his parents' grave and now he feels almost that same responsibility in this instance, making that promise uh, to Superman's grave. And he just, when he makes a promise on someone's graves, you know how important that is to him and how he's going to do nothing. Uh, or I should say, he's not going to let nothing stop him from accomplishing and fulfilling that promise. And you just really felt that more in this theatrical cut or the Zack Snyder cut, I should say, more of how Bruce felt that way and just how he really needed to do this. And it just makes total sense for his character. So I just love that aspect of it. And yeah, I think one of the big things we're going to disagree on is the, uh, on this Dane is just the way I felt 
having that four hours really allowed time to establish these characters where I really didn't feel it was kind of messed and put together. I felt they just really let it had enough room to breathe. And yeah, I really, honestly, it didn't need to be four hours. There's a, you could still get that point across in a little less time. But when you're like, again, it's such an unprecedented movie release that let, let Zack Snyder have the reins to make a four hour movie. That's fine. If there's certain scenes that are maybe dragging a little too long, I mean, so be it. <laughs> I mean, you know what you're getting into at this point. But again, I just really felt this version did a great job of just letting you introduce and get to know these characters in a good amount of time that lets you care about them by the time we get to some pivotal moments later on in the movie. But and just everything about it where coming into speaking of action sequences too, just how far superior this version is when you first look at the big action sequence with the amazon steppenwolf's attack on the amazons that was a cool sequence in the theatrical cut but this one is just so much better and just even the way steppenwolf looks his design is so much better in this one and the cg effects too i mean just i don't know why they changed his design it's just so odd it's night and day in how he looks and his design just looks so much better here more imposing more threatening and just his fight battle with the amazon was just really really incredible just some of the new stuff that they added to it and just the action sequences throughout and i'll get to the final one in a bit because i got some stuff that i can't wait to talk about there but <laughs> um um and another thing we're probably going to be our best, biggest disagreement dane i gotta say one of my favorite things about the movie is just really how it dove into the DC lore of the fourth world, the new gods and apocalypse. I've been waiting forever <laughs> to see at least glimpses and hints of apocalypse dark side. And obviously we knew we were going to get that in this movie from the trailer. And I wasn't really counting on dark side to play a big role in this. And he really wasn't, but the way he was used, I thought was just perfect for this build up to him. And it just sucks that, I don't know any of this buildup's gonna we're gonna see more of him in any future movies. It doesn't look that way based on some recent comments from DC ex- or Warner Brothers executives, but you know, I never thought the Snyder cut was gonna happen. So I'm, I've learned to never say never. And uh, we got the restore the Snyderverse <laughs> hashtag going on and trending worldwide with over a million tweets. So maybe that'll have the same effect. I don't know, but I would love to see this version of Darkseid and what they established here with Darkseid and Apocalypse expanded on it's just begging to be told more stories with this because i absolutely loved it and just as a huge fan of just the new gods and in general and dark side being one of my favorite villains um for such a long time and seeing him in live action for the first time and just be so perfect i just i couldn't believe what i was seeing i just had that i was thinking that every time he's on screen i was just like finally i can't believe we're finally getting a live action dark side and he's being handled perfectly. I just loved how he was used in this movie from that opening, or not opening, but um, in the second part, The Age of Heroes, where we get that flashback where he was his first invasion of Earth. I just, uh, just one of those things in the theater cut where it's like, I don't know why they changed Darkseid to Steppenwolf in that flashback. It just uh, <laughs> it just like, takes away so much from that lore and history of the dc or dc lore in that history flashback it was just so cool to see dark side in action in that moment it was such a cool action sequence um seeing the amazons the atlanteans um the old gods with zeus and 
Ares was there from the villain from the first Wonder Woman movie. It was just cool to see him, uh, how he was when he was still in favor of the old gods. Uh, they're all working together to fight Darkseid. It wasn't just Darkseid's minion, Steppenwolf. It was the big bad guy, Darkseid. And this is how it was pretty early in Darkseid, I guess, kind of conquest too, where he wasn't the ruler of Apocalypse yet. He was still kind of young and new, I guess, to being a warrior. And this was his first and only great defeat. Throw in the Green Lantern in there, too. I know we got a little bit of the stuff in the theatrical cut, but we got a little more of the Green Lantern of during this period of the Guardian of Sector 2814, and it was just cool to see more of that. I only wish he made a few constructs. That was my only disappointment with this Green Lantern in this one because he was only firing beams, and I want to see constructs when I see a Green Lantern in action. But um, And again, he gets killed just like it was in the theatrical cut, but... It was just so cool seeing that ring leave his finger and he got killed in a more brutal way. Darkseid chopped off his hand and we see the ring fly off the severed hand. And I like how Darkseid is looking at that and just tries to grab it, but the ring flies off. And again, I know that happens in the theatrical cut, but when it's has a totally different feel when you're seeing Darkseid, the greatest DC villain over Steppenwolf <laughs> with the Green Lantern ring flying around over him. I just so many geek out moments like that. So the dark side stuff, I just loved. I just loved the setup. I thought, again, if this, if everything went out perf- or happened perfectly as intended, where this was just the first Justice League movie that Zack Snyder does, and obviously he had plans for a second and third one, this was the perfect build-up to introduce Darkseid, but not have him be the main threat until the second or third movie. And I thought this was the perfect way to have him in here i just loved seeing him on screen i I was just geeking out every time (laughs) so yeah that was one of my favorite aspects of the movie just finally seeing the part of dc comics lore that i love so much in live action for the first time i really liked and even steppenwolf you know i talked about how much better his design was and yeah it's not he's not going to be remembered as one of the greatest villains in comic book movies but i felt even he was a character who benefited from this extended cut just really showing how he wants to get back into favor with Darkseid and how he how he was he's an outcast for I guess betraying them and for what he did and how he has to like conquer fifty thousand whatever so many worlds to be back in favor. Uh, just seeing his motivation and doing what he does was I thought shown even better in this one too. So I even enjoyed Steppenwolf more than I did in the first movie, which is saying something because he was pretty forgettable in the first one and but again it all goes back just to me loving that whole lore of the new gods especially with dark side and apocalypse and after seeing it, it made me want to go read some of those first new gods comic with jack kurt not jack kirby did establishing these characters um it just makes me excited and hopeful that we're still going to get that new gods movie from uh Ava DuVernay, if I'm probably butchering her last name, as I always do, but I remember being excited about that announcement, and hopefully um, once we see that, there will be even more new gods and dark side and new Genesis versus new apocalypse conflicts that we're going to see in live action, because this movie showed just how well it can work and just how great these characters and their history works in in a movie. So I loved all that stuff. I was just geeking out so much about that. And then, yeah, just... Going into the final action sequence, because that was probably the one of the biggest changes from the movie, um, one and one of my favorite aspects of the movie. Because there were certain things throughout the course of watching it, I was wondering how different this is going to be to the to the theatrical cut. How much is going to be the same? And actually, one of the things I was curious about was the resurrection of Superman. 
I was wondering how different that was going to be. Is it going to come back in a totally different way? But uh, the basic premise is pretty much the same as how the the Justice League pretty much decides to use the mother box to bring him back to life so they can have a better chance of uh, stopping Steppenwolf and preventing Darkseid from coming. So that was pretty much the same, but the way they went about it was a little different as far as pretty much everyone being on the same page to doing it. Besides Aquaman, he was kind of still the only one who had reservations about it. But the whole thing as far as Diana not wanting to bring Superman back and causing that rift between her and Bruce in that moment um, was nowhere to be found. And then Bruce kind of having his contingency plan as far as him being the one to bring Lois and have Lois as a backup to get to snap Superman out of it in case he shouldn't be himself when he was resurrected. All that aspect of it was gone. And I, I didn't mind missing that stuff from the theatrical cut. It's this all flowed. I felt worked pretty, pretty nicely as far as their motivations for wanting to get Superman back. There were still some reservations, but not so much. So that caused a rift between the team. And it was just kind of, I guess another added plot that wasn't needed, the whole Wonder Woman and Bruce dynamic. And this already long movie that had would have to have been resolved with some more time. So that was one thing I didn't really miss from the theatrical cut and how they just needed to bring Superman back and they had to do what they had to do and worry about uh, the potential consequences later on. But obviously another big thing that was shown in the resurrection of Superman and little more seeds being planted as far as potential stories for the sequels, as far as that once Victor gets connected with the mother box, him getting that, vision and premonition of the potential warning that the ship is giving them to not do this and resurrect Superman with the mother box um, where we get the glimpses of dark side uh, invading earth. We see the death of wonder woman, her with dark sides, armada invasion as uh, the Amazons are burying Diana. And then we see dark side in Atlantis, like killing Aquaman and using his Omega beam on a, on a, uh, Atlantean soldier, which looked awesome. And then the big one, this was something I remember reading about as far as potential plans or um, uh, as far as what where the stories and sequels could go. But the fact that part of it was actually filmed kind of blew my mind when I saw it, seeing Superman in the Batcave. And I didn't realize this the first time I saw it, <laughs> but in the Batcave holding pretty much a dead, charred body of Lois Lane and we see Darkseid kind of consoling him. We see him put his hand on the shoulder. And thus, the setting up the stage for the nightmare sequence that we saw in BVS and what we see at the end of this movie and the epilogue of how all that started. And I remember reading that and just thinking, man, are they actually going to do this? And is that where the sequels are going to go? And honestly, it's probably not something high on my list that I want to see if there were to be any potential sequels to the story to go. Because it has something that we have seen pretty, pretty recently in Superman stories. I mean, it's pretty much the basis of the whole point of Superman kind of going evil in Injustice, the Injustice games and the Injustice comics. So it's not something that we haven't seen before. We haven't seen in a movie necessarily, but it's not a story point that's pretty high on my list to see in Justice League sequels. I think they could do some cool stuff with it, but um, I'd rather just be focus on dark side invading earth and have the justice league go up against him is what I'd rather see more than Superman going evil. And then the justice league having to take him down because you're just kind of then rehearkening st- story beats to what we already saw in BVS that 
obviously Batman trying to take down Superman for the potential of being evil. And this movie showed that we kind of moved past that. So if they went in that direction, uh, they'd kind of be retreading that same story beat. So I'm kind of 50-50 on that, where the the direction of going for a potential sequel. I think it could be cool and see, make for an interesting story, but it's not pretty high on my list as far as something I'd want to see explored more in a future Justice League movies. Again, and that's all <laughs> if we ever get sequels. So it might even be a mute point, but it's still cool that um, they were able to, Zack Snyder got to plant the seeds here anyway to kind of have that potential um, be the course of the, where things could head um, with this as far as resurrecting Superman. So that was a big addition to seeing it. But yeah, so the whole resurrection of Superman, I thought was definitely done more better here than in the theatrical cut. We got a little more action in that fight with Superman against the league, which is just, it was awesome in the theatrical cut, but it's even, even better here. His quick fight with flash was really cool here. And having a few more moments, him going up against cyborg Aquaman and uh, flash before he fights wonder woman before finally seeing Batman. And I mean, his encounter with Batman was cool here to see him firing his beams and Batman using the Kryptonian ship technology he established on his gauntlets to dodge it. It was great. So, um, yeah, so that leads to the big end battle sequence, and it was an enjoyable one in the theatrical cut, and I liked Superman's return in the theatrical cut as well, but man, this one just takes it on a whole nother level as far as being a true epic final battle sequence that a Justice League movie deserves, because as cool as the theatrical one was, it didn't felt as a grand a scale as I think a Justice League movie should be. And this one definitely remedied that. It was longer and each character got their moments to shine in this final battle. Beginning with Batman taking down the tower, again talking about how Batman just using what he has, the bat plane, or I should say the fox, I think it was called. And uh, the Batmobile obviously taking down parademons, taking down the towers, gaining the team entry into Steppenwolf's um, lair there. So Batman did his part. Um, Aquaman and Wonder Woman were kind of the ones who were going to be like, I guess, the defenders and the brutes to fight the enemies to keep them and keep Steppenwolf occupied as Victor does his mission to try to connect with the mother box. And the biggest change from the theatrical to the, the Snyder Cut version of the final battle is what Flash had to do. And boy, I really, really loved what Flash had to do in this sequence as far as gaining speed generating enough in the speed force to light a charge to have victor be able to connect with a mother box it just gave him a really important role to do in this final battle that he necessarily didn't have in the theatrical cut and besides saving uh that family um, who was nowhere to be seen in this version <laughs> and just kind of to be that and do what he can to fight parademons but he just had such an important role here and then the return of Superman, his entry here was just so cool. It didn't, he didn't have that cheesy line like he did in the theatrical cut where he goes, uh, I'm a fan of truth, but I'm a bigger fan of justice. <laughs> you got to get that justice word in there because it's the Justice League movie. So that cheesy little bit of dialogue was gone. And just his entrance as far as getting in the way of Steppenwolf's axe from hitting Cyborg and just being nothing to him as an attack. <laughs> not, even, not even a dent on his new black suit it just how he just casually says not impressed and blows his ice breath on his axe and just breaks it and just goes all out on steppenwolf um a lot of the same shots were used from the theatrical cut in this one which i like but 
we got some more, even more cool shots of Superman in action here. Man, I just love the way this goes all out on Steppenwolf here, too. And another thing that I really loved about this final battle sequence is the music. Um, Junkie XL is back to score this movie. And certain music choices weren't my favorite, weren't my favorite but the great ones far outweighed ones that, uh, one that really didn't jive with me as I was uh, watching the movie. But this whole sequence, the final battle, and this is going from someone who is excited to hear the classic Superman theme and the classic Batman theme in the theatrical cut of Justice League when Danny Alfman was doing the music. And while it is kind of a nice nod to hear those, um, when I watch it now, I think it does feel a little out of place. And it just works so much better when you're hearing the themes that were already established for this universe, like Superman's theme that we got in Man of Steel. Hearing that more throughout the course of the movie was great. And just, but especially in this final battle, when he comes in to fight Steppenwolf, the music that plays, that's really in the same vein of the music we've heard in Man of Steel. It was just great. It worked so, so well. Uh, the music in this whole final battle sequence I thought was fantastic. So Superman, the added stuff with him, the music, just made for a great final battle with him and Steppenwolf. I mean, Steppenwolf was no contest <laughs> against Superman. And it just drives home the point as far as the whole idea of the mother boxes not calling out to Apocalypse because of Superman and then them being afraid of how powerful he is. And it was on full display why that was the case because Steppenwolf did not stand a chance against Superman. And it was just great to see. But then going into one of my other favorite aspects of why I love this final sequence so much is what Flash had to do. And obviously he didn't get to do what he needed to do right off the bat as initially planned because he got shot by a parademon uh, by his blaster and had to heal up a bit and that delay caused victor not to connect with the mother box before it was too late before they joined and it caused the massive blast and the destruction and the arrival of dark side that they were trying to avoid and pretty much wiped everyone out except the flash and i just loved how he was pretty much phasing himself through that energy blast making him survive and not succumb to that. It was just great visually and just a great use of Flash's powers. And then just Barry really going all in, just, as he says, run as fast as he never has before, faster than the speed of light to, as he says, break the rule and kind of turn back time a little bit to save everyone and save the world pretty much. And I just visually loved how it looked. Again, the music, I love this piece of music that was playing here. It just really set the mood and tone for what Barry had to do in this finals, uh, final attempt in trying to avoid the inevitable, or not the inevitable, but <laughs> avoid what they were trying to set out to refrain from happening with the invasion of Darkseid and the unity of the Mother Boxes. And just it really set the tone of how important, what a big deal, what a big step this was for Barry to do something that he never had to do. And just thinking back to his father, as far as trying to prove himself to be uh, the best of the best, as he says, it's all that great stuff, which is why the, we get those moments with him and his father. And I really enjoyed and just setting up his character for this big moment that he had here. Just what an important role he played in this that he didn't necessarily have in the theatrical cut. I just thought was fantastic. And then seeing him go reverse time. I liked how visually it looked. He was turning back time, but yet he was moving forward. We see him run forward, but we're seeing time and everything that was destroyed get put back into place. I just visually, visually I thought it looked really cool. It's really unique too for 
um, stuff we've seen with uh, super speed powers because we've seen a lot of those now between uh, Quicksilver and the X-Men and Avengers movies, a Flash TV show. I really like the use of Flash's power visually, how it looked here. It just made it stand out and different from all the others that we've seen before. So that was really cool. And then we get Victor's big moment to shine here too. Again, I just love this final sequence because everyone had their moment to shine. And Victor connecting to the mother boxes and being tempted by the mother box to prevent him from separating them. Kind of trying to tell Victor he could have a normal life here within the mother box. And as his mother calls him a broken boy, and then the great bit of dialogue here from him just really accepting who he is and his situation now where he just goes, I'm not broken and I'm not alone and just not giving into that temptation and realizing um, his purpose here and just what he can do with the abilities he now has and separating or getting rid of that mother box versions of his of his parents there and just separating it and then breaking out of kind of that illusion of temptation for him to not separate it. And then you see him call out to Superman uh, to fully separate the mother boxes and stop the unity. So that was a great moment for him. But then you get to one of my other, just might be my favorite moment of the sequence. And it's, it's really just coming from pure being a DC fanboy here because the moment dark side, we see that boom tube portal open and we get the visual of dark side to sod and even granny goodness, <laughs> which was cool to see just all staring and seeing the action that was on display here, seeing what was going down with the Justice League against Steppenwolf. And this was really cool to see because this is something I actually remember reading and I think seeing some storyboards of, of how this was Zack Snyder's original intended ending for this action sequence. And I just remember thinking, oh man, how cool would it have been to actually see that Darkseid was watching this fight and then they actually see each other compared to just Steppenwolf being attacked and killed by parademons and being teleported back to Apocalypse or wherever he was going. Uh, compared to this, that was so anticlimactic. I loved how this scene played out. Step The way Steppenwolf gets taken out here, man, it was brutal, but it's still a cool way <laughs> to see the heroes of the power of, of their abilities they showed on here. Where I mean, he gets stabbed with the chest with Aquaman's trident, Superman goes to punch him back into the boom tube, into Apocalypse. But Wonder Woman, being the warrior that she is, uh, just chops off his head before his body makes it into the boom tube back to Apocalypse. So, but even the visual of his head rolling through the boom tube into Apocalypse, but you see it land at Darkseid's feet and he just smashes it <laughs> with his foot, showing his frustration and annoyance at Steppenwolf's failure. And just, I just tweeted this out not too long ago. This movie has a lot of great, beautiful shots. But one of my favorites might be one of the more simple ones. Again, just because I just mean being a DC fanboy and finally seeing this on screen for the first time. Of just Darkseid, you see the back of Darkseid looking through the boom tube and he's staring at Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Batman, The Flash, Cyborg, the heroes of the Justice League staring down against Darkseid and just knowing of the potential of what that sets up and what it represents, the greatest heroes of the DC universe, minus Green Lantern, <laughs> and the greatest villain of the DC universe, setting up that inevitable showdown that they were going to have. And that was one of the instances where I thought, ah, this is one of the things I was afraid of with the Snyder Cut, getting me so excited for a potential setup of what we could see if the story continues, but how 
likely that's not going to happen. <laughs> so uh, it was just awesome to see, again, just going back to how much I love the stuff they did with Darkseid and setting up Apocalypse. And again, just hearing a Darkseid's voice was cool too. And no one's ever going to top Michael Ironside as the voice of Darkseid. I mean, his voices of Darkseid is right up there as being iconic with Kevin Conroy's Batman and Mark Hamill's Joker. Ironside's fantastic and amazing as Darkseid. But the voice they got here for Darkseid was really cool too. Uh, it felt perfect for this version of a live action Darkseid that we're getting here. And just hearing him say words like the anti-life equation being his greatest prize and just going back to all that fourth world lore that I love so much and just saying how without the mother boxes, you're going to have to invade the old ways and prepare the armada. Just just getting you excited for, again, the stuff they set up for Darkseid eventually going up against the Justice League, which is some one of the big comic book fantasies that I need to see in live action at some point. We got Darkseid in here yet, but which was awesome, but still we need to see him go up against the Justice League. That's like my one comic book movie um, checklist that I haven't been able to check off just yet. <laughs> so um, again, we'll see what happens moving forward, but I just love the setup that they built here. And just all those things encompass, to, in my opinion, what was a great final battle sequence that, the Justice League in the first movie deserved. I loved it so, so much. And as one of my favorite comic book movie sequences, it's already up there as one of my favorites. I just thought it was just a great job of showing all the characters doing what they need to do, the powers on display, um, bringing in, again, establishing that DC lore that I love with Darkseid. The music was great. So I just love this final battle sequence so, so much. I thought it was, it was great. And then you move on to the epilogue. Um, where it has a lot of stuff that we saw at the end of the theatrical cut. Um, but instead of um, we're seeing Lois Lane in the piece she wrote for the Daily Planet and her voiceover, um, this is with uh, Victor's father, Silas Stone, that recording he left for Victor, that Victor smashed up before um, he got to hear what Silas was going to tell him as a father instead of a scientist. And he repairs the machine, he plays the tape, and we hear Silas Stone uh, tell Victor... Obviously, how much he loves him, how proud he is, and just what he can do and accomplish, and just establishing that, kind of apply applying that to all the heroes moving forward in the scenario. So we got the great moments like uh, Bruce and Diana and Alfred setting up the Hall of Justice in Wayne Manor with the great line of six chairs, but room for more. And then one of my favorite Bruce and Clark moments where Bruce tells them how he bought the bank to get <laughs> the farm back. I'm glad that was in there as. Uh, the kind of their final conversation between those two. There's some cool visuals of obviously bat. One of the new ones I think was Batman on uh, the tank from the dark Knight returns. And you have to really zoom in. I didn't see this when I was watching it, but because I saw a tweet or a YouTube uh, video that showed uh, if you zoom in real closely, you see Batman has members of the mutant gang tied up <laughs> kind of at the foot of the Batmobile tank, which obviously is a, another cool nod to the dark Knight returns there. So, um, great ending for it, but obviously it's not the ending because we still get uh, the end credit scene from the theatrical cut of Lex Luthor and Deathstroke, but their conversation is totally different. Um, whereas in the theatrical cut, they were kind of setting up the Injustice Gang or the Secret Society about Luthor saying we could form a league of our own. But in this one, it's pretty much setting up uh, the Ben Affleck movie that's not going to happen where he was giving Deathstroke the information that Batman is actually Bruce Wayne and how that was going to be the main focus of uh, the next Batman movie where Deathstroke was going to be the main villain and targeting 
uh, those who are close to Bruce Wayne and how we'd have to deal with that. So that was totally different. But then we get to obviously the new scene shot for this, the new nightmare sequence with um, Deathstroke back and obviously Mara, Cyborg, the Flash, and as you already mentioned, Dane, Jared Leto's Joker. And I was excited to see this because um, one thing we haven't gotten was Ben Affleck's Batman interaction with Jared Leto's Joker. And I was I think it's cool that Zack Snyder realized that and kind of wanted to get that moment in there. If this is indeed the last time we're going to see these characters in this universe, um, he at least wanted to establish and get one Joker Batman scene in here. So it was cool that he recognized that and gave that to the fans to have. And yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. I will say I don't necessarily agree with those who are saying it's the greatest Batman Joker conversation ever. Um, I, for me, that's always going to be the interrogation scene for the Dark Knight. I don't think anything's going to top it. And but I'm welcome to have more opportunities for potential Batman Joker scenes to top it. And if it does, great, because that just means we just saw an awesome scene between these two great characters. But I don't feel this one was quite on that level, uh, even though there was some cool stuff in there. The scene Batman and Joker. Kind of Batman in his most desperate moment, obviously looking to, for the Joker for help with his team and Joker offering up the truce with that card and just how both Bat- Joker obviously kind of stirring up some things that Batman doesn't want to hear with the death of Robin and Batman just telling him, like, be very careful <laughs> what you say next. They just had a great inter- interact and a great dynamic. Like you said, Dane was just something totally different that we haven't seen. He wasn't trying to copy Heath Ledger's Joker, which I felt he was doing uh, a lot of times in Suicide Squad. So this was a great moment, something different for these two characters in live action. And it, w- it was great. I really enjoyed it. It was so it was cool to get. And I don't know if we're going to see any potential payoffs to this. Like, does the truce last? What happens <laughs> with them and once Superman arrives? So... Again, it was one of those instances where it's like, uh, this is some cool setup, but are we ever going to see the payoff for this? And uh, I don't know. <laughs> Again, I'll say not likely, but never say never. And then we, obviously we get to the final sequence with Martian Manhunter arriving uh, to see Bruce. And this is obviously a dream as we see Superman arrive in that nightmare sequence. Bruce wakes up. And Martian Manhunter in general... Uh, it's going to be one of my nitpicks because it was cool to see him. Don't get me wrong. We're seeing a live action Martian Manhunter, not for the first time because he showed up in Supergirl, the TV show, and he was great in that. But seeing him mix up, talk with Batman was pretty cool here. But um, I don't know if you knew this, Dane, but this was actually supposed to be Batman, or I should say Bruce, talking to Jon Stewart as a Green Lantern. <laughs> and really? yeah, this was something that Warner Brothers made him cut or change even for the Snyder cut they wouldn't let him have full control I guess so and I remember reading that again as a potential end credit scene for Justice League that it was supposed to be a Green Lantern who came to see Bruce and kind of offer up his help and knowing that this isn't over and I think that still would have made more sense and maybe it's the Green Lantern fanboy in me wanting to see more Lantern stuff (laughs) in Justice League that was another thing too we did get to see a dead body of Kilowog in that future vision cyborg was having so that made me think oh man superman was going to go up against the green lantern core here <laughs> which would have been crazy to see but again it would establish bringing in the green lantern fully into the justice league and that's something i'd rather see more so than the martian manhunter but 
I guess that is, that's just me being a Green Lantern fanboy because I can never get enough of the Green Lantern core. That's still the only thing missing as much as I loved all this stuff in Justice League. This would be that much more better with Green, a Green Lantern being part of the team. But just Martian Manhunter in general, it just felt uh, it's weird because it was cool seeing him. It kind of works with General Swanwick being John Jones, but at the same time, it makes you think, uh, shouldn't he kind of got involved when in Man of Steel maybe? Or when Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman were fighting Doomsdays, he would think maybe now is a good time for me to kind of help and join in this big, gigantic battle here, too. <laughs> and obviously, it's because it's, it's a retcon. I mean, let's be honest. Um, I don't think that was the original intention for the character. I think it's something that Zack Snyder um, eventually thought would be cool to do with the character, um, which, which, again... It could still work, but it just makes you think about certain things <laughs> where it doesn't necessarily not, I won't say not make sense, but it makes you wonder why didn't he do that <laughs> as a character? Now, he, I mean, he casually says in his conversation with Bruce, I feel it's time where I can't either at least like stand by or fight for Earth now too, or something to that effect where he can no longer just sit aside who's going to get involved. But I just, it just makes you think, why didn't he feel that way in those other two movies? And, and one of my other kind of nitpicks about the movie is that Martha and Lois scene because I actually thought it was a really great moment um, between Martha and Lois just really sharing um, their grief about the loss of Clark and just what he means to both of them because you just really felt how as Martha says they're the only two who really know the truth about Clark and how and Superman as one and who he really is and I think it was just such a great moment in bond between those two characters and to the fact to learn that it wasn't actually Martha, but yet it was John Jones, kind of took a little bit away from that sequence for me. So um, again, it's one of those things where it's just, if you're looking at it as a DC fanboy, oh cool, we're seeing the Martian Man- Manhunter here, but this makes me think it probably would have worked better for me if they didn't go that route to introduce the character, maybe bringing him, bring him in some other way. So that was one little instance of something I wish was done a little differently than here. Um, but yeah, so I'm, um, I guess my other kind of complaint or nitpick about uh, the movie is something I felt unnecessary that doesn't at least the unnecessary, I guess, uh, explanations for things you didn't need was far as uh, dark side attacking earth for the first time and discovering the anti-life equation there. And then he gets injured obviously and leaves earth and then does, he doesn't really remember that earth was where the anti-life equation was. Because and there, I think Zack Snyder gave an explanation for it, and it's like okay, but probably could have a better explanation, not even have that be in there at all. Because I think it would have been worked better where Steppenwolf discovers the anti-life equation when he does in the movie, and he tells Darkseid that hey, it's here, the thing you've been looking for, it's on Earth. So if they could have had the flashback sequence where Darkseid attacks Earth, but doesn't necessarily smashes the hammer on the ground that reveals the anti-life equation they didn't need that and because it just it would have made sense if he tried to conquer this planet he failed and he never went back to it because of that but if you think he would remember the planet where that was his only failure uh, and where that was and if he remembers seeing the anti-life equation there he would remember and go back to it and I think the explanation they give is obviously it was so long ago, thousands of years. Darkseid um, wasn't the ruler of Apocalypse just yet. Like I said, he's kind of just starting out. And he's conquered hundreds of thousands of worlds in a 
humongous vast galaxy so maybe he did kind of forget about it and but it just makes me think uh, but if it's his only defeat i think that's something he would remember and remember where that anti-life equation is at and they also said too how all those surrounded by him there were eventually killed or destroyed because obviously steppenwolf wasn't in that flashback the sod wasn't there so all these people who maybe wouldn't tell him where it was but it was just something that was unnecessary to add a little more uh, I don't know if you want to call it a plot hole or just more mess- messier than it needed to be. It just should have been Darkseid never discovered the anti-life equation on that planet. Steppenwolf did. And once Darkseid heard that, that's what made him want to attack Earth. So uh, this is a little bit of a nitpick I had there. But overall, I couldn't be happier with how this turned out. Um, it turned out a lot better than I was expecting it to be. It's a great watch. Again, it doesn't need to be four hours, probably. You can probably even get a better, more condensed movie in there, uh, like the three and a half hour mark, little <laughs> akin to more of the Lord of the Rings extended cut. But at the same time, I don't blame uh, Zack Snyder at all for kind of wanting to get everything he wanted in there. If this is his last hurrah in the DC universe, and just again, really glad he got the opportunity to ha- see his vision through after all that he went through uh, with the loss of his daughter and just what a toll that must have been for him, and just as we mentioned in that article that came out from Vanity Fair, just what a mess he had to deal with, with everything going on with the studio and don't blame it. all blame him at all for wanting to step back and just not having the energy to fight for his vision because of the loss of his daughter. So the fact that he was able to go back to it, finish it and get the version he wanted out there to the fans. I'm just more than anything, really happy for him that he got to do that. And, we get to benefit from seeing a really cool comic book movie, in my opinion. So, yeah, I went on quite a bit, <laughs> as you expected, and prophesied Dade, so I could start feeling it in my voice now. So I'll go ahead and shut up and just say I loved it. And if I were to rate it, I'd probably give it a four and a half out of five. I just really, really loved what they did here. And we'll see where it moves forward. If we're going to get more of the story, we'll see if it's I've heard kind of fans wishing maybe it's uh, if we can't get a live action sequel do it in an animated form like a high-end cg or traditional animated movie form comic book storylines um which i could see happening if nothing works out for the movie to continue as a live action movie i think they're probably going to the story to continue somehow and not gonna lie as cool as it would be to get a comic or an animated uh continuation of it there's going to be a part of me that will be disappointed where all this got set up. As I mentioned, the excitement I had for the potential dark side justice league standoff to have it only kind of go back a little bit, being a comic book form or being an animated movie, which we've seen tons of times now um, there will be a sense of disappointment. I'm not going to lie. So we'll see what happens, but in the end, uh, just glad that Zack Snyder's version version of justice league saw the light of day and we all get to see it now. So um didn't think this day was going to come, but it's here, and I'm glad I enjoyed it as much as I did. So, yeah, definitely a really great time uh, for DC comic book fans to see this version. If they enjoyed this universe already, I think they got to see the ultimate culmination of that. And for those who maybe weren't the biggest fans of it, I think this one's definitely getting a better reaction than, obviously, the theatrical theatrical cut got. So it just makes you think, well, we don't we don't have to rehash the whole story, but this makes you think that they should have just let Zack Snyder uh, complete his vision for the theatrical cut and not try to save face or try to 
do what they felt being the studio would be the better product for casual audiences to see because this one is being enjoyed by more people than the than the theatrical that ever was and probably ever will be so yeah um so that's my thoughts on Zack snyder's justice league <laughs> you sure Tim? Is that, is, that, is that everything <laughs> i'm pretty sure for now <laughs> we'll see what happens on the next episode but. Uh, if i were to rate it i'd give it a two out of five um it's uh it's good as an action movie but i just wish like i said the themes were a little more cohesive i just wish this whole movie was a little more cohesive but again great action movie i love the action scenes um also something that i didn't really notice uh in the beginning uh i really like Hans zimmer's uh superman theme oh it's fantastic I, yeah <laughs> I, I just think it's a it's a great you know it starts off with the piano and mm-hmm. the strings come in and stuff yeah i i i really like that yeah it's, i mean it's it's like you didn't realize how much you missed it in the theatrical cut until you realized it wasn't there. And then when you hear it a lot more in yeah. this one, it's like, ah, it's like, it's so good. <laughs> it's like going back home yeah, to this right. Superman theme now that just fits so well with this version of the character. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that's it for this episode. Yeah. Um, episode, honestly, never thought would happen. Reviewing the Zack Snyder, yeah. <laughs> Snyder cut of Justice League. <laughs> If you asked me this um, two years ago, I've been like, I don't think that's gonna happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, just go over to thatmyuniverse.net, Facebook.com slash thatmyuniverse, Tim's Twitter handle at thing 311 My Twitter handle is at Dane Says Banana, reading reviews on iTunes, and email the show at batfadswellpads at gmail.com. So, with that, like we say at the end of every single episode of Tim, we love each and every one of you was all of our dark side anti-life equation hearts. <laughs> See you guys next time. See you next time, everybody.